Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hamm, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios in Morristown, New Jersey. It's Tuesday and what do we do on Tuesday? We talk real estate. We got a really cool topic today. We're talking the office markets. We got a great panel, so let's meet them first and then we'll get started. First panelist is a senior principal and director of interiors at HOK, Lisa Brinkman. Lisa, welcome. Morning. Thanks for coming on. Second panelist is an associate at Colliers International, Steve Graziano. Steve, thanks for coming on, bud. Thank you for the, uh, the invitation, Mike. Good Absolutely. As always, as always. And last but certainly not least, Air Force veteran, business development manager at BE Furniture, Brent Kozlowski. Brent, welcome, man. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And good morning, everybody. So quick, quick tip, or not tip, quick point. All three morning spotlight guests. This is only the second time we've had three morning spotlight video, like the LinkedIn videos. Only the second time we've ever done that. So you guys are in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you knew that, but ah, I'm expecting, I'm expecting it, a man. lot. I'm expecting a lot from this panel. So you are so honored. Yeah. Well, I'm honored just to be in the presence of you guys. So, all right. So let's get started. So the office market. I haven't been into an office in five months. I'm sure some of you are the same. I'm sure people listening are the same way. Um, so it's a very interesting market right now and you're seeing a lot of different things happen towards the beginning of this or i guess early on in this twitter said that all their employees were going to start working from home but then just a couple weeks ago we had facebook sign uh, a 730,000 square foot lease uh at the farley building in manhattan so steve since you're on the broker side so give us just like a broad sense of what you're seeing in the office market right now yeah of course uh, so as you would imagine, you know, with all the recent breakouts in the COVID-19 and, and everything taking place today, uh, the office market did definitely slow down towards the earlier side of this breakout. Uh, most transactions that we were dealing with and working on were either put on pause or postponed for uh, several months. Um, so it definitely did slow down a bit. However, after a few months, um, it starts, or it's starting to seem as if things are picking back up. Action activity is, is picking back up. We're getting calls, inquiries um, from, from various different brokers on, on a number of our assets that we represent. Um, so again, not nearly what it was pre-COVID. However, it's trending in the right direction back towards, you know, kind of that, that, that area. Um, gotcha. I will say, I, I know, you know, Twitter did announce that they're allowing employees to work from home, you know, in the future. With that being said, they did not shed, to my knowledge, any of their office space. So I believe that they were just offering their employees the ability to work from home. Right. Uh, however, they did. They didn't shed anything. So they still, you know, remain tied to those leases that they have signed previously. Um, so you know, every day we've been hearing more and more companies go remote. But again, no, nothing has really happened to the office space. Um, so that, that's great. That was a good, brief, succinct analysis. So now we're going to flip it over to Lisa, Brent, and then Steve will get you in at the end of this. Um, just from your field. So Lisa's an architecture, uh, an architectural firm at, at HOK. Brent's in uh, commercial office furniture. Steve is obviously on the broker side. So Lisa, we're going to start with you. What are some topics of conversations you're having with your clients right now? I think what we're seeing is a shift from people being very tactical to being more strategic in their thinking about workplace. Mm 
and what the workplace is going to be, why people are going to come back to the office, and how they need to design their spaces in order to support the collaboration and the experience that people are going to want when they come back to the office. Another big topic of conversation is technology. How can they support their employees with technology to do their wellness check before they get to the office? Why have someone come all the way to a location only to be turned away because their temperature read was not acceptable? So I think there's a lot of technology focus right now um, and much more uh, strategic thinking rather than the tactical like, okay, we need to put barriers up everywhere uh, so that people can come back to the office. I think reality set in at about six weeks when we said, this isn't a short-term uh, situation. No, and we it has not been short-term. <laughs> okay, and we need to start thinking longer-term, big picture. Right. How about you, Brent? Uh, yeah, I mean, mainly what we're dealing with now at our firm is safety and comfort. You know, Lisa and Stephen are going to have two different degrees of safety in an office space, that, that they feel safe, that they can operate off of, where they feel like they, should, they can come in the office or they shouldn't. They should stay remote. So what we build our whole game plan around in our COVID response package is developing the highest level safety protocols and discussing it with the end user. And then from there, they pick and choose what they feel is necessary. So whether it's higher panels, air purification systems, uh, the social distancing, larger cubes, um, we essentially try to guide them to a solution that basically maximizes safety within the space and eliminates um, any exposure to a potential virus. So right. we focus on the actual tactical aspect of signs in the workplace, educating your employees, body temperature scanners. We help our customers to implement those and every project we go into and it depends on, you know, what they feel is necessary as well as our recommendation. Right. And then how about you, Steve? Round us out on this question. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my team and I represent both landlords and tenants. So to, to tackle this question on uh, early on in the, the, the COVID-19 breakout, uh, on the tenant side, a lot of our, our clients and conversations have been centered around, one, how long do we expect this to be, be taking place? You know, what, what types of actions can we take to ensure that we're protected in the future? So whether that's you know, holding off on signing a lease for the next six to 12 months, you know, just renewing short term uh, kind of as a Band-Aid solution to, uh, to kind of solve the, the issue uh, and then bring it back up, hopefully when a vaccine comes and, you know, things settle down. Uh, towards the, the landlord's perspective early on, we were dealing with a couple of our clients reaching out. Uh, they had tenants within their, their portfolios that have reached out looking for some sort of rent relief. Um, so, you know, holding their hands, talking through some, some different uh, ways to structure uh, transactions, you know, to, to, to afford the ability uh, to whether that's, you know, half rent today and, and extend the lease on, on the back end or just rent deferral for the next, you know, two, three months and extend that lease just to amortize the payments. Uh, they've been really all over the place. Um, at this point, it's really... Uh, a big topic of question with our tenants is, you know, how is the subleasing market right now? Does it make more sense to take a sublease that has, you know, recently been built out, tenant just took space, and then the tenant actually, you know, went out of business. 
that's also you know a big conversation we're having right now. We have seen an influx of subleases come back on the market in varying size. You know, they're not just two, three, four thousand; that they're upwards to fifty thousand and plus. So it, it's really just how can we protect ourselves uh, for for the the volatile you know cycle that's coming. Right. Right. So uh, next question I got here. So Brent, we're going to start with you on this one. What are, I mean, maybe you touched on a couple in the previous question, but what are some things that your clients are looking for assistance with right now? Um, I mean, essentially when it comes to the COVID protocols, it, it is, it varies greatly between customers. You have one customer, I had a customer who had the virus and essentially recovered. We went through the floor plan. He said, I don't need any protocols. Everyone's going to be safe. I think they're socially distanced enough. Fair enough. Then we have other customers who are like, hey, give us everything. We want the signage, separation, you know, rebuild the space. We try to provide temporary solutions because none of us really know the future right. of the office space for sure. There's speculation. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to go on. So we're trying to kind of inch people in the right direction to say, if we go back, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to convert your space back to what normal could be at that point, you know, or what normal was in the past prior to COVID. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing just a spec, a large spectrum of people with different comfort levels, you know, as far as ownership goes in a company saying, yeah, we either need it or, eh, you know, somewhere in between. Right. How about you, Lisa? So I think we're, we're starting at, you know, I said we, we're seeing companies going from the tactical actions to the more strategic actions. And I think a lot of the conversations we're starting to have with clients today is how do they launch surveys to really understand their employees' desire to return to work, what they want when they return to work, uh, where we can help them launch the survey and help them with analyzing the results of the survey portfolio strategy, which ties into a lot of what Stephen is talking about is what should they be thinking about? Is it a hub and spoke model? Is it reduced square footage uh, for, and, and maybe putting space on the market based on how many people are going to be coming back into the market? And then we're also seeing a lot of, especially the large organizations, really spending some time and effort right now in looking at workplace of the future. What is it? Because I think, again, driving it, we've, for the companies that didn't have work from home programs that now have seen that it can work successfully, but also want to bring people back and have people have that level of option is really understanding what that kit of parts is for the future. Right. Steve, round us out again, buddy. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, so as brokers, all we really can do is educate our clients on all the pot, potential options out there today. And at that point, you know, they, as business owners, they have to make the decisions. So, so a lot of the assistance that we're providing right now is pretty much just laying out every potential scenario that can take place, educating them on, on what differs between each scenario. And then again, just, just get them to feel, you know, comfortable making a decision in such a chaotic, crazy time. You know, no one knows what the future holds. So again, just laying out any potential option. And, and at that point, you know, they got to make a decision. So right. yeah, education is key right now. Yeah. 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 So, so just a quick question for you, Steve. Um, maybe we're going to get to this at some point, but it just popped into my brain. So I'm going to ask you. So um, you mentioned, you know how you talk about Twitter and how they haven't on, uh, offloaded any space. Yep. Um, so you're talking about uh, 
you know, uh, tenants that are looking to do some short-term solutions? Are you seeing tenants that are trying to unload some of their space, like maybe shrink down the space? Because that's one thing that I've been interested in is like, like, yes, the work from home model is, it seems like it's working for people in different industries and different capacities and all that kind of stuff. But like, if you reduce the space, you also reduce the distance that people can socially distance. Exactly. So are you like, are you seeing any reductions in space or is that stuff pretty much staying the same and everybody's just in like a holding pattern right now? So I, I really think it depends on which industry you're in. Um, some industries are more favorable to the work from home. Some, you know, are not very conducive whatsoever to be working from home. Um, I, I always make the joke, you know, people who have kids at home, they are very, very excited to get back home, <laughs> they get back to the office rather. Yeah. They're, they're done, you know, yeah. with the, uh, the teacher duty, the daycare duty, everything along those lines. Um, but we, we are in fact seeing tenants, you know, say, hey, we can, we can most likely section off, you know, 20%, maybe 30% of our employees, push them to work remotely you know, for the next couple of months and into the future. So, you know, they'll downsize a little bit, but at the end of the day, to that point, you know, I would think, you know, 10 to 20% of workers can work remotely. However, with all the safety precautions and everything that's taking place today, uh, before COVID broke out, the big trend was kind of decreasing that square footage allotted to each individual employee within the office. That is not the case anymore. You know, I think the bench seating trend is completely out of the picture. Yeah. You know, where it's a long table and you pack in as many employees as you can, like a like a can of sardines. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the the square footage allotted to each individual employee is going to increase, which then will you know balance out the the decrease in space. So I, I really do think it's going to balance out in, yeah. in the future. It's just it's I think it's a little too early to tell in terms of what that looks like. Right. I'm just going to add to that. So, I mean, all sur- all the surveys that we're seeing coming back from people, um, upwards of 80% want to come back to the office, but not full-time. Very small percentage want to come back full-time. Mm-hmm. To Stephen's point is we're going to see the square foot per person um, is, going, is going to be smaller, but the square foot per seat is going to go up. Because we're going to need some more space. We're going to serve more people because they will share the spaces, okay, rather than having an assigned seat. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing, I mean, pre-COVID, we were seeing um, people going down to anywhere to 120, 120 square feet per person. We've actually done a bunch of studies, and it's upwards of 240. Mm-hmm. So, so the, at the end of the day, what's going to reduce the square footage or the portfolio square footage is really going to be the numbers of people that are going to come into the office at any given time. Right. Gotcha. All right. So we're going to get into some protocols that are being taken by some of your clients. So Steve, we're going to start with you since you're pretty fresh. Yeah. Uh, so talk about landlords. Like what are some protocols that are being taken by landlords right now? A lot of the protocols, as you as you would imagine, are surrounded by uh, you know sanitation efforts in terms of you know sanitizing each individual desk, hallways, anything that that might be touched by somebody on a daily you know on a daily basis. Uh, so cleaning that the charge to cleaning and cleaners has increased, you know, just because they got to do it way more frequently. You know, traditionally, 
in an office building, you know, you would probably have a cleaner come you know, once or twice a week, maybe. Right. You know, it's not every day. That's no longer the case. You know, you need to sanitize each individual surface on a daily basis just to ensure that those tenants are safe within your building. You know, you, you, you never want a situation where a COVID breakout comes in the building because you, know, you just didn't take the, the necessary precautions to sanitize everything. And yes. And sanitizer everywhere. Right. <laughs> if you can find it, you know. Yeah, seriously. Think about yeah. the cost that all these landlords are uh, investing into strictly yeah. hand sanitizer. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? Just to get everything clean. It, it's, a, it's a high cost, you know. It's definitely increased drastically. Yeah, I think I have six bottles next to my desk, like just surrounding me. Every time I turn around, I'm like, oh, hand sanitizer, touch something. Yeah. I think I need some, so I might come pick some up from your office there, Brent. We got you, man. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime I go into a building, the first thing I do when I come out, get in the car, hand sanitize up, get everything good, wipe the steering wheel, wipe everything down. So, yeah, yeah it's you got to do it. Yeah, definitely. Crazy. Um, so, Brent, from a furniture perspective, what are some protocols being taken by your clients? Um, so a lot of the protocols are the, the social distancing, like we were discussing before, you know, the six foot safety uh, distance between people, the benching systems. You can still utilize those in the space, but it's going to be on a staggered basis, like one person here, other person across about six feet over here, back and forth. So it's maintaining that distance, wearing your mask at all times when you're out of your personal zone. Um, that's, that's one that we implement when we are in the office because we, we are partially in and out of the office. Um, obviously cleaning we have cleaning services come in every day even throughout the day um you have the temperature scanners when we walk in the door you put your face up to it and it tells you you know you're good to go or they shouldn't be letting you in um as far as uh just walking directions walkways everywhere else you know just to minimize any contact between people as much as possible in common areas such as uh break rooms or anything really limited access to that um, because one per, if you have a coffee maker in the corner of the room, how many people in a day are going to touch that coffee maker? So I, just pack, I pack my own personal cooler and keep my own cold brew in my cooler, my desk. It's a huge cooler. Cold brew. Just, That's nice. That's fancy. I, I had to, cause I can't get hot coffee there unless I, you know, bring my own Keurig or something. Yeah, so if I just true. keep it all in a cooler just to maintain my own zone, just to minimize the risk overall. So, right. you know, we really try to implement protocols that, or just keep safety to the highest level in the workspace. It, it kind of go off that as well. With all these protocols, I think when people do in fact go back to the office, you're gonna be seeing signs everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you look, you know, you're not gonna be able to escape them. Six yeah. feet, six feet, you know, four people to an elevator tops. Right. So the, foot, it, the footprints on the floors, you know, a, you yeah. see it like supermarkets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Etiquette signs, and please, we, I, I, our office in New Jersey is rather small, and I, I am convinced that we have a sign every two feet for something. <laughs> <laughs> like, enough, enough with the signs. Yeah, well, because you, I mean, you, you forget sometimes. Like sometimes you just like go back into your mode of just like, you know, you forget, and you just like want to go back into what you know to do, like how you've lived, you know, for me, thirty years, like doing the same thing every day for thirty years, and now all of a sudden I have to switch that. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but Lisa, we're going to stick with you still uh, from a technology perspective. I'm interested in that. So like, what are some, what are some technology protocols that, that your clients are taking? Yeah. So there's lots of apps that are coming out. I, you know, I think I mentioned it, you know, why it's one thing for somebody to have a temperature scanner 
um, when you walk in a building, but why should somebody have to get that far, especially when you're located somewhere where you have somebody has to take mass transit. So we're starting to see more and more, and actually at HOK, we're, we're getting an app ourselves where we, if we're going to plan to come into the office, we take our temperature on the app, it's submitted and we fill out a health questionnaire um, on the app and it's submitted and then we're whether approved to go to the office if we meet all the criteria. Um, so, you know, well checks, room reservations, uh, automated and voice activated services for conference rooms to start the AV equipment and so on. Anything that people have to touch. So we need one to do the coffee pot print because, you know, somewhere along the line, you'll be able to say, I know a guy. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've, I've claimed the coffee pot in the HOK office since I'm the biggest coffee drinker. I said, I'm the first one in, I'm going to make the pot of coffee, I'm taking the whole pot to my desk. <laughs> uh, and everybody said, okay. Um, and then also food service apps. So companies that have larger facilities where they have a cafeteria um, and probably landlords as well, where they have a cafe space and so on apps for people to order their food and right. kind of have a hands-free pickup. So we're seeing real opportunities for technologies that have kind of been out there a little bit on the fringe, really be becoming ones that are in demand. Gotcha. All right, Steve, question for you. How do you envision this? This is the big question. This might be the biggest question of the whole episode. So oh, how do you yeah. envision this affecting the office market particularly like a suburban versus urban, mm -hmm. you know, uh, location. I really think, uh, I truthfully think that this is going to benefit the New Jersey suburban office. Um, you know, before this happened, the downtown transit oriented markets were taking off, uh, which had, you know, access to public transportation. Uh, I, I don't really think that's going to be the case necessarily anymore. I think it's more so going to be the traditional suburban office where you can drive to it. You, know, you don't have to take mass transportation at all. Um, you know, smaller buildings, say four or five, six story buildings where you don't even necessarily need to take an elevator. You can take the stairs right up to your, your floor, walk right in. I think that's gonna help a lot. Um, just not only from people getting sick, but just out of the time management aspect. I mean, consider you're going into an office in New York City. You're in a skyscraper. You know, you get to the building, it could take upwards to an hour for you to get from the lobby to your desk. Yeah. So it's like, it's taxing on a lot of time. And then when you in fact go and leave, it's another hour to get out of the building. So I think, you know, some of the suburban offices offer some, some benefits in that perspective where, you know, people are driving to work. You know, you can walk right up the stairs. You, you don't have to take an elevator. You don't have to be touching too many things. And I really do think that a lot of firms are going to be considering New Jersey from New York. Um, we've seen it firsthand. Uh, a bunch of inquiries we're receiving right now are, in fact, New York tenants, you know, testing the waters, kind of exploring what, what suburban New Jersey has to offer and, um, you know, make a decision from there. I really do think it's going to benefit, benefit the suburban market drastically. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So, um, Obviously, this has affected just about every industry in some way. In some cases, like if you sell hand sanitizer, you're crushing it. Um, if you own a liquor store, you're probably crushing it too. I know because, you know. Um, so 
from a title insurance perspective, this has definitely changed, affected my business, but I'm interested to see, hear from you guys and, and how it's affected yours. So Lisa, maybe we'll start with you. So how has this affected, you know, HOK's business? So certainly early on, we saw a lot of uh, our projects go on hold to, you know, to Stephen's point, people saying, well, maybe we're not going to sign that lease yet. We're just going to stay in place. So uh, we saw a slowdown in project activity. And then, of course, when the construction industry shut down, um, that, that even slowed things down a, a little bit more. Um, for us, we, we used it as an opportunity to rethink and refocus on how we could support our clients through this and really spent a lot of time um, issuing thought leadership. And I know, you know, Colliers has done that, Brent's organization has done that, is really, you know, we, we, had a, we had a motto. We didn't want to feel like we were vultures that were, you know, kind of, you know, coming in and saying, oh, you know, you want to build a wall and reduce your space. We really wanted to spend time for helping them understand the impact on the workplace and what they, the things they needed to be thinking about, what conversations they should be having with their landlords about what is the landlord going to do? It's, it, was, it was less about uh, what do I need to do in my space, but really what do you need to think about big picture? I think Stephen's you know, illustration of, you know, it's great, you get to a skyscraper. I had this vision of um, you know, everybody coming back to work in New York City and mobs of people lined up around the block mm -hmm. waiting to get into the building because yeah. you could only put two people in an elevator or three people, what, you know, whatever the magic number was uh, based on the size. So it was really trying to focus on helping companies rethink not just their office, but the journey of people from their home to the office to once they got there and then how do you, you, know, how do you get into the space? Um, so certainly, you know, we've seen a slowdown. I do think we're starting to see a little bit more activity. People are, you know, there's an opportunity here for people to spend the time, rethink what the office needs to be, and while they're not in the office, make the changes. Right. And I think people are starting to recognize that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I agree Brent, with that. Brent, I how agree about you? Completely. Yeah. Well, being that we're a solutions-based organization, we basically walk into a customer and we try to discover their needs, not just their wants. During the time when COVID hit, the world stopped, you know, completely. Our, our entire industry stopped, the whole entire world did. And we essentially went away from furniture into the solutions in regards to COVID. Where does it make sense for us to help you? How do we strategize for the future? Like Lisa said, the big picture. What are we looking at a year down the road? You know, office furniture lasts 15, 20 years. You know, how do we plan for that future if COVID all of a sudden in six months is gone? You know, we find a solution, everything's good. How do we open up that space and everybody's just back to normal? You know, you have business development individuals like us who are fine with working remote, but if you're in a design space, we have to collaborate with people. You know, how do we map that out for now temporarily and then look at the big picture down the road at the same time? So it's basically putting all the pieces together to a solution that makes sense for the end user long-term. Right. right. I think I would sign up for six months and this is gone forever. Like I would sign up for that right now. <laughs> I think we all would right now. Like, you would be both. I mean, I, I would grind through that six months easy. Like it'd be, it'd be like nothing. Cause I'm a, I'm a pro now. We're all pros. You know, we know what to do. We've almost been there already for six months, right? I know. Yeah. We're, I mean, what's another six at this point, you know, tack it on at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we've had to, just like Lisa, we basically follow in line with the brokers and the architects. So once everything kind of paused, construction paused, um, same thing. But our projects were still going on. We were still finding workers, still finding customers, and finding people that needed help during all this. And, and it's been it's been good during the whole entire process. Not what it usually is. Right. But, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting back. You know, the world's slowly opening up. Yeah. And how about you, Steve? How has this changed your business? It's definitely made it a, a little bit more tricky getting transactions completed on a, on a tenant side, uh, getting business owners, obviously, to make longer term decisions. Keep in mind that the, the average length of a lease is, you know, five, seven years. So that's not a, you know, a two month, three month thing. You, you, you got to really predict the future almost to be comfortable to sign a lease right now. So uh, a few of our clients, you know, have let their leases lapse and, you know, move their, their employees remote for the time being as we kind of reconsider the lease and, and things of that sort. But, you know, any new deals at this point, you know, as Brent and Lisa both mentioned, construction was paused. So, you know, getting suites built out to fit the needs of the tenant, there's a serious delay in that aspect of, of the transaction. Um, also keep in mind business development, you know, it's, it's, it's been a little tricky getting in touch with people to kind of touch base, you know, how's everything been going for you guys? What do you, you know, foresee the future to hold for the firm? That's been very, very challenging at this point. Yeah. I think uh, we're fortunate enough that we've somewhat shifted during this COVID to, to get involved in a couple uh, educational industry transactions. Um, so working with a few schools right now that are, that are keeping us very busy, but on the office side, I mean, it's, 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 as we said, it's definitely slowed down a bit. I do think it's coming back, um, but it's, it's definitely made uh, this business a little bit trickier, but there's, there's opportunities out there. You just got to keep bunting and you know, you'll eventually find them. Right. All right. We're going to move this. This has been great so far. So we're going to move this into our closing segment under the spotlight. Where we're going to put each of you under the spotlight and you can give us your final point. So maybe it's a prediction. Maybe it's, you know, one key takeaway you want the listeners to walk away from here. So Steve, since you got the first word on this whole thing, you have to start with this, with the, uh, be under the spotlight first. So yeah. what do you got? So I think uh, my prediction office is not dead. I think uh, the layout and the design aspect of the office is definitely going to be changing. Um, in the future and, and the way that the office is set up and orchestrated, that's definitely going to change. However, I truthfully do not believe that the office is dead. I do believe that you're always going to want a place to go, whether it's to collaborate with your fellow employees, to work on something that you can't really do over web chats and over phone calls. You're definitely going to need something. Right. Um, so it's not that. You know, it's just, you know, let's wait and see what it's going to be like. No one really knows. It's, it's only a prediction, but it's, it's not going anywhere. Not and I'm dead. not just saying that because I'm, I'm obviously a pleasing <laughs> There's some bias there. We need to make I'm you very know, biased for this. Yeah. Uh, I, it can't go away. Right. Uh, just truthfully, <laughs> I, I don't see it, you know, employer companies moving everybody remote. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's not a sustainable business plan in my, in my mind. You're always going to need that, that physical office to go in and yeah. you know, see people. It's just so yeah. many other aspects to an office people are overlooking. Right. All right, Brent, you're under the spotlight next, my man. What do you got? So just kind of piggyback off of what, what Steven said is that, you know, the human interaction factor of the world, you know, we've been remote for a while now. 
And when I go in the office now, it brightens up my day. I see people, I see somebody smiles and it's not on a video screen. You know, you're interacting. And I agree with Stephen 100% that the office space isn't going anywhere. But while we're figuring this out, always keep safety at the top of your list. Literally wear your mask, even if you don't like the mask, you don't like the way it makes you feel, wear the mask, wash your hands, be respectful of others. Because if you're healthy, somebody else might be immune compromised. This is a real situation we're dealing with right now. So let's just be part of it. Agree. Lisa, wrap us up. Take us home. All right. So my personal belief is we all have short memories and the vaccine will come. And once the vaccine comes, we will want our normal, mm-hmm. our quote unquote normal. Yeah. But I think we will restore to a new and better normal that will factor in employee wellness Uh, We'll certainly have aspects of HR uh, support when people are out sick, support for people that that have situations where they can't come to the office, Uh, and we'll have a new and improved perspective on how and where we work. Awesome. That was great. So that wraps up our show. I want to thank our panelists, Lisa Brinkman, Brent Kozlowski, Steve Graziano for being on here. Couldn't have done it without you, obviously. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, if you want to be a guest on the morning spotlight, if you want to listen, hear a topic, hear us talk about a specific topic, go to the morning spotlight.com or email us at the morning spotlight at g- gmail.com morning spot, the morning spotlight at gmail.com uh, follow us on Instagram, like, and subscribe to this, leave us some stars. That would be great. Um, guys, thank you again. Thank you for having Thanks, Mike. It was a yeah. pleasure, guys. And everybody else, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.